Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, of how you've captured our attention. Thank you, Lord, as we look to your word, that we can be inspired, we can be motivated to follow after you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords who came in such a humble position and it was exalted above every other name, above every ruler and power in heaven and on earth. Thank you for this time that we have to learn from your word, to be stirred by your word this afternoon. Holy Spirit, stir us, stir us together as we look to your word together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. It's great to have uh, each of you here this afternoon. You know, when it's Boxing Day, you never really know what you're going to get, right? And so it's great to have you. And, um, you know, I'm going to tease a few people about the survey we put out. Who's going to be here today? They're not here, but you guys are. So I appreciate you guys being here. This is wonderful. Um, So today, I've entitled today's message, I intend to keep this brief on purpose. It's called Now is the Time. Now is the time. And over Christmas time, you know, you, we've had these reflections going on. Each of our families or individually, we reflect on everything that we have, every blessing from above. And like you, I was taking stock of everything that has been given from heaven. What I mean by that is everything that Jesus has just bestowed as procurement upon my life. And if you stop for a moment and think, if we pause and took a poll, you could say and take stock of how God has reached in and he's touched your life. If you really think about it, even the miraculous, there's each, each of us have a story to share. And so this title is, Now is the Time When We Consider All That We Have in Christ, What He's Inviting Us To, Now It's Time to Live Like the Saved. Now it's time to live like the saved. And this message is for me too. I'm preaching to myself that there's no better time than the present than to live like the one who was born again. Live like the one who's been bought and purchased by the blood of Christ. To be able to see the kingdom of God, to see the things of God unleashed in and through our life. So I'm going to invite you to turn to John chapter 3. And I believe it's a fitting part of scripture because in John chapter 3, we see this invitation that Jesus extends to a guy named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus is a religious man. He's one of the, the, the teachers of the law. Pharisees were all about establishing and holding people true to the law of God. They were the scribes of the law, making sure that even civil law reflected the Old Testament. And so they were really dotting their I's, crossing their T's, and Jesus has this interaction with Nicodemus. And in many ways, as we look at this interaction, this discussion, think about the title, Now is the Time. It's as if Jesus is calling out to Nicodemus, reaching into his soul, his spirit, saying, Nicodemus, now is the time. Now is the time. You're going you're to understand what I'm talking about as we dig into this verse. So John chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. So point number one, you got to love that he recognizes who Jesus is. When we recognize who Jesus is, nothing's impossible. And so he continues on. Jesus replies, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born again when he is old? 
Nicodemus asked him, can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must flee or be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can these things be, asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied, truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life may have eternal life. And let's stop there and go back to verse six. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. Here Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and perhaps you're sitting here and you're extrapolating all these different points. I'm sure if you're you know, really reaching in and you heard these words that you're applying it to yourself in your own situation. And here... Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, there is a life transformation that occurs when we open ourselves up to the things of God. When we're receptive to what he wants to do in our life, that our eyes are going to be opened. Our eyes are going to be open. And so I have a few points here I want to just go through very quickly. Is The first point, number one, is when we're born again, when we receive what Christ has for us, we're able to fix our thoughts no matter what happens on the kingdom. No matter what's going on around us, we're able to fix our thoughts on the kingdom. And so in a moment, I want us to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 8. And we're going to look at what it means to fix our thoughts. Fix our thoughts. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, Philippians 4, verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable... Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. And so the first point here is that when we realize who Jesus is, the invitation that he extends to us, we're able to rise above the situation. We're able to rise above our thought life and appropriately set our our gaze, our thoughts on what he's extending to us. So here we see in this exchange of conversation that Nicodemus, he's a man of the law. He's one who desires to obey God and fulfill his will for his life. And yet, in many respects, he's been missing out. He's been as if looking into, you know, glass half full. He hasn't fully experienced the reality of heaven, not in its fullness because of all these regulations and these, these rules and things that have really created a barrier between themselves and God. Because remember, the Pharisees, and with right intentions, were establishing all these ways and means for people to be right before God. But they started to add 
to all these laws and, and the commandments of God. And they, there's like 500 and something of these different man-made uh, regulations. And here, Jesus very simply and yet eloquently is extending to Jesus, if you truly want to live, if you truly want to experience all that God has for you, you need to fix your thoughts on the kingdom of God. And this is something as a young man, I have to admit, I never quite understood. I mean, I'm talking really young. I remember my dad had preached on this a few times and he would explain what it is to be born again and living in the kingdom of God. And if we think about Philippians chapter four, it's telling us that our thought life, the way we go about thinking about things, the way we go about conducting ourselves is different. And so now is the time. This is, this is the very simple application here is to fix our thoughts on the kingdom no matter what's going on around us. So let me ask you a question today. What's that thing? What's that it? What's that it in your life that maybe perhaps is keeping you from experiencing the fullness of his kingdom? What's that it? If you could scratch it today, what would that it be? And if we could identify what that it is, then we can say to that that you're no longer going to have power over me. Because there's another aspect that Jesus is saying that if you're born of the flesh, you're going to think in the ways of the flesh. But if you're born of the spirit, you're going to think in regards to the spirit. And Jesus said, anyone who believes in me, that there is freedom because he says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Sometimes we get caught up in our thought life. We get caught up and we, we start to placate to the ruler of this earth, the ruler of this world, and saying and believing that either you're not forgiven or you're never going to be able to amount to what you're desiring in your heart or what God has called you to. We've all had those thoughts. I'm sure DW, in preparation of ministry, there's always been thoughts swirling through, but you're able to conquer those thoughts just as I have. Conquer those thoughts by believing in he who has called you. So here we see Jesus is calling Nicodemus for a great exchange to experience life, if you will, to the full. Life in a way he had not experienced before. And so this guy rightfully says, hey, can anyone really be born again when they're old? Like, is there a way I can actually return to my mother's womb? I mean, you got to love the guy's question here. He's very practical. So this is for the practical thinkers. There's no way I can go back to my mother's womb and be born again. I don't know how many people would actually want to go back to that day. But if I was to ask you right now, Sue, if you could go back in time, if you could go back to a certain point in history, would you do it? Would you take up that offer? Would you hop in the DeLorean if you could and make some changes? You know, if, if I had a DeLorean, there are a few dates in time that I probably would venture back. I probably would fire it up and head back to a few different dates. One of the dates I would love to actually relive is the very day that I was filled with the Spirit. I remember I was 16 years old, back at uh, Full Gospel Fellowship. I was at a youth meeting. And that night I was there with a bunch of other youth. And there was a team that came in a special uh, traveling ministry called Street Invaders. And so they came and they led some worship and it was fantastic, you know, with youth. We have all this energy. We're like, yeah, woo, right? One way, Jesus, I think was the song. And we're just like, yeah, one way, Jesus, you're the only way for us, right? And we're all just, we're amped up, we're fired up. And so the speaker comes and he starts speaking. And I may have shared this before, so forgive me if I have. But this guy like read my mail. He read my mail so eloquently, so T for T, you know, dotting every I. I was like, how do you know who I am? 
He read my life in front of everybody without saying my name. So he's, he's talking about life story, and he's, he's speaking to the very aspects of that which was on my mind, my thought life about of life and ministry and what the future was going to look like. And he didn't know, but I was praying, God, give me a sign. If, if you want me to go this direction of ministry amongst all the other options, give me a sign. And so in this meeting, this guy, without saying my name again, he's, again, reading my mail and speaking right to my thought life. And what's interesting is I couldn't help but think as I was reading this passage, and you might be sitting here being like, how on earth did you get from there to there? Anyway, in Philippians 4, it says to fix our eyes on whatever is honorable. And I believe because I was fixing my thoughts on what was, you know, desiring God's will, his purpose for my life, that this speaker who came, because he's praying and he's aligned himself with the word of God, he was able to speak to my very circumstance, my thought life. And so he shares these messages of ministry, and it affirmed for me what I was supposed to do, and so a little backtrack at that point, probably only mom knows this, um, but I was considering, you know, do I go to Bible school? Do I maybe try and go to college? Or what does that look like, mom? What does the future look like? At one point, I had an ambition maybe to go play hockey at Liberty University. I had a conversation with the coach. Um, Liberty University is a Christian school in the States. We had a conversation on the phone. They came up. We ta- uh, talked when I was at a choir of the fire one night. And we were chatting, and I was explaining my ambitions, and I told him ministry and he says well that's great you know you could come down you could try out there's no guarantees you'll make the team but if you if you make the team there's some uh, benefits for you you know we'll, you'll get a, a jeep liberty hey mom remember that the jeep liberty uh, if you got the scholarship and then you can study you could study and do the courses for ministry and also play hockey I thought well this is pretty cool I mean if I could make the team and so again all these thoughts and things start happening again what am I supposed to do And so in that night, in that meeting, this man spoke to my life, but he very simply said to me, the path was specific. The path, he says, you're going you're gonna to have these invitations, if you will. They're going to be so attractive. You're going to think, oh, that sounds great. I, I should do that. But the right course for you to take is the road less traveled. And I didn't quite understand at the time. Now I do. But at the moment, to give that affirmation of seeing the kingdom of God and what his plan was for my life, in that moment, I just opened myself up to the Holy Spirit. And I said, thank you for speaking to me. Speak. Continue to speak. Touch me. Touch me. And in that moment, as I was there with my buddy Matthew Clark, we were both, I kid you not, we were both filled with the Holy Spirit when we began to speak in tongues. Both of us uncontrollably wonderful experience, just kind of like if you drank too much water and then it comes back out. It's like the best way I could describe it. But it was this bubbling, this bubbling-like sensation. It just came up and started to speak in tongues and then began to laugh with this joy, this uh, uh, laughter of joy. And I'll, I'll never forget this experience. And so whenever I read this passage of Scripture... You don't know where the Spirit comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Sometimes when we, want, when we align ourselves up with the things of God and want what He wants, His Spirit's going to move in ways that's unexpected. And all I asked was, speak to me, confirm for me your purpose for my life. And so the Holy Spirit showed up and, and not only affirmed that through the individual who was speaking, but He filled me with His Spirit with an evidence of tongues. 
And I wasn't even asking for tongues, which is actually a remarkable cry. I wasn't even asking for it, but we were, we were filled in that regard. It was just wonderful that when we open ourselves up to the Spirit, this is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, when you open yourselves up to the kingdom of God, if you stop trying to overthink it, you stop trying to analyze it, you stop trying to package it, watch and see what God can do in your life. He's going to show you a thing or two. He's also going to amaze you. So point number two is that when we align our thoughts we'll be able to fix our gaze on his purpose. And so I, I line my thoughts from this experience. I said, okay, I'm going to go to Bible school. I'm not going to try and make this team down in Liberty. I'm going to go to Bible school. And so I went to a program called Master's Commission. And there it's like honing in like a heat-seeking missile on ministry. We spent eight months learning all these kinds of ministry of children's and youth and evangelism, a thing called Adopt-A-Block. You know, soon, Greg, we would go door to door with baskets of food and all these different kind of items, and we would adopt a block and minister to that block for eight months. So it's like going to one of these, you know, cul-de-sacs on a side street in Waterford, and D.W., Jess, and I, we adopt that cul-de-sac for a whole eight months. And we go door to door every Saturday morning. How are you guys doing? How can we pray for you? What can we, what can we help you with? How, what can we keep in prayer? For eight months we did this. And in these moments and times, we were involved in all these different areas of ministry, traveling across Canada, the United States, and speaking to folk in different venues, churches, gyms, school assemblies, you name it. And this fire, this fire for God was just, just burning, continued to be affirmed and, and fueled. And when I fixed my thoughts on what God was speaking over me for ministry, he fueled me to do it. And as long as I kept my focus, my gaze on the kingdom purpose that he's called us all to, to go into the world to make disciples, he's going to equip us to do it. Because sometimes it's not easy. When you go to a door, T.W., when you go to a door and you knock, it is such an awkward experience a lot of the time. Here, I've been knocking on doors of water. If anyone's watching online, thank you for those of you who have been kind to me as you opened your doors. And sometimes it's just downright awkward <laughs> because right away you think you're selling something or, you know, maybe you're um, Jehovah Witness, which has happened quite a bit, actually. And you'd be surprised. But you knock on these doors and it's amazing the conversations that you can have. But just like you, when sometimes I'm at the door, my thoughts start swirling and thinking like, what are you doing? Like, you know what? Maybe they're, maybe they're sleeping right now. Maybe you're going to bug them. Maybe, maybe it's just not the right time. And you start making all these excuses in your mind. And I can't help but think here, Jesus is calling Nicodemus is, again, don't make any excuses. The spirit blows where it's going to blow. Receive the things of the spirit. So Jesus says to him, I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the son of man. I really believe, and I'm, I'm, I'm really taking this out of context in many ways, but when we fix our thoughts on him, when we fix our gaze on purpose, we won't, we won't make these excuses to not engage people in the day-to-day. It's uncomfortable. Isaiah, it's uncomfortable to talk to people at times in ministry. It can be really awkward, but here's the thing. When we fix our thoughts on the kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we fix our gaze on the purpose that he's called to, we can fasten ourselves to the anchor of hope that we all have. 
The third point is uh, we have a secure hope in the kingdom of Christ. So we're fixing our thoughts, we're fixing our gaze, and we have a secure hope in Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Philippians chapter uh, 3 for a moment. Philippians chapter 3. And it's my prayer you're really getting something out of this today. It's, it's been kind of a whirlwind, I have to admit, a whirlwind today. We had, you know, a f- bunch of people who were unable to be with us today because of illness and other things. And so it was really scrambling like popcorn, like popcorn kernels in a popper. It was just a crazy, uh, crazy morning. But thank you. Again, DW Jess, thank you for stepping in and helping a brother out. Appreciate you guys. So Philippians chapter 3, um, verse 14 You have to love what Paul says here to the Philippian church. He says, I'm going to go with verse 10 for a sec. My goal is to know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Now that I have already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I'm going to repeat that. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. I consider myself, oh sorry, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. And so I love this passage of scripture because Paul's telling us, let's stop living in the past. Let's stop living and doing things the way that we've always done things. Here again, Jesus is calling Nicodemus. You've seen that road. You've been down that road with all the good intentions intentions and well wishes, there's another way. There's a heavenly way. There's a way of purpose, of fixing your thoughts on kingdom, fixing your gaze on the purpose and calling of God. And then we do this, we have a secure hope that we'll be able to press forward no matter what comes in our way. And this is the mark of maturity for every believer. What I mean by that is this, today is a great example. Today's a fantastic example, actually. When I got all these calls and messages, like, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it today. Hey, I'm not going to be able to make it today. I'm like, at first, in the flesh, we should cancel church. (laughs) We should just cancel it. (laughs) Let's cancel it, right? But then that was the fleshly design. That was the fleshly answer. Let's just cancel church. But then the spirit swells up. It says, no, 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 no. Be ready in season and out of season. Do not forsake the gathering together, which is scriptural. And so I sent out a message to Isaiah. I called Isaiah. I called DW and we began a conversation and we worked things out because each of you are here today. I don't believe by accident, but it's been orchestrated in many uh, regards that perhaps today there's something in your life. Maybe there's something, if I could say this, something that's hold you, held you back from walking to your place of destiny, walking your place of calling, not fully experiencing the kingdom of God in your life. And if you could identify that it, if you could scratch it off by the the power of the Holy Spirit, just watch and see how he's going to move and work through you. My, like my own story, if you remain undeterred when you're lashed into that hope, no matter what goes on around you, watch what God can do. 
When I found out I had cancer, I had a job, things were good, but yet everything was kind of up in the air. I had no idea what was going to happen. At one point, rightfully so, in the flesh, in my thought life, I thought, I'm going to die. Now, thankfully, it wasn't because of a terminal diagnosis. Thank, thank you, Jesus. But I, those thoughts came in my head. You're going to die. And the enemy was trying to put that seed in my mind, in my heart. You might as well just give up. And in the, the wee hours of the, of the night when I'd be sleeping, you know, a lot of us have dreams and visions because the Bible says we will have dreams and visions. So rightfully so, the enemy of our souls, Lucifer the devil, he's going to try to speak to us. He's going to try and hijack those dreams and visions to make you doubt the call of God in your life. And so when those voices were swirling around, you know, you might as well pack it in. You're going to die. You know, have you made all your plans? Like, you know, where's your God now? All these kind of things. But thankfully... Thankfully, I didn't give in to those thoughts. I didn't give in. I didn't change my gaze. I believed that God was going to make a way. And then when I lost my job, you know, eight months later, again, there's another time. I could have packed it in. I could have said, okay, God, clearly this isn't for me. (laughs) And I'm going to pack up shop. I'm going to pack up ministry. And I'm going to move on to something else. But it was in that moment, even in the health issues, in the time of losing work, that God spoke to me. And when I, when I, you know, lost my job last spring, God laid on my heart specifically to plant a church in Waterford. Now, what's funny is one of, uh, there's an individual who's here today, exactly, I think it might have been Carl, maybe five, five to six months prior to that, we were having a conversation on the phone. I hope you're okay with this. I didn't ask you if I could share this, so you could, you could spake me later. But uh, <laughs> So we're on the phone, and you said to me, you know, Andrew, I don't know if you remember this. You should plant a church. Carl didn't know at the time, but there were thoughts. There were things swirling in my mind, even though regardless of how things were going at work, and things weren't bad. Things weren't horrible where I was. But there were things that were starting to be planted, seeds that were starting to be planted. And I believe that that was the Spirit of God blowing in my life and planting these seeds because God knew what was on the horizon. He knew what I experienced health-wise, and he brought me through that. But he also knew I was going to lose my work, but it would be a launch pad into what we're doing today. And so Carl said to me that one night on the phone, you should just plant a church. And I'm like, oh, Carl, I mean, that's wonderful for you to say. Thank you for the affirmation. Thank you for the encouragement. But I kind of tucked it away. I kind of tucked it away. But when these words, these thoughts started to come into play, Jess, I was like, that's the spirit of the Lord. Because what's what's the Bible say? Where two or three are gathered, there I am in your midst. And he'll confirm his testimony by two or three people. So Carl was one of them. One day I got a call from a friend. I'm kind of sharing my testimony here, but one day I got a call from my friend, Brian Vaughn, up at Hope for a Day in Keswick. He calls me up out of the blue. He has no idea what's going on in my work life, okay? So we're going to transition for a second. Where I was work-wise, there were some things theologically that were happening. I'm not going to go into the details, but if you were to know those details, you, you probably wouldn't be able to follow them. So I'm swirling through these things, trying to figure it out. And he calls me out of the blue. He goes, Andrew, how you doing? I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Things are pretty good, you know. And he says, well, I just, you were really on my heart. I wanted to encourage you to ask what you were doing. And I believe the Lord would say to you to plant a church. I said, well, you know what? You got crazy timing because, and I started to share some of the things were going on in my life, some things I was wrestling with. And he said to me, Angie, sometimes you're given that, and I'm going to use a word I heard a pastor say once, a holy discontent. 
because he's shaping you, he's preparing you for what is next. And he said to me in that moment, he goes, God wants you to plant a church. I really believe that. You have to decide for yourself, but he wants you to spearhead leading a church. I thought, oh my gosh, like there's Carl and now there's Brian. And then the story just continues to go. Other friends, other pastors would call and encourage me. And I knew, I knew that God was up to something. And when you take a moment just to hone in and, and um, meditate on those words, those thoughts, even when, what you're praying in your prayer life, that God's going to bring things into alignment. When you fix your thoughts on him, when you fix your gaze on him, he's going to bring that it. He's going to shift things so that you're brought into alignment with what he wants to do in your life. And so when the vaccine rolled out, I know I shared this, but I'm going to say it again. When the vaccines were rolled out, I'm in the hospital. Uh, I, I have the vaccine. I have a reaction to the vaccine, the first one. And it was an adverse reaction to the point where I started having hives on my left arm. My, my lips went numb and I got weak and fatigued and I had a rapid heart rate that they had to put me in the emergency room. But it was in that moment, it was crazy. While I was in the emergency room, I actually felt the touch of the Lord all, all around me. And the words I believed he was saying to me was, your life will never be the same. I'm showing you my glory. And not only did he use that circumstance to really push everything out that wasn't a priority. Literally, in that situation, you push everything out. When your life, you're wondering what's going on with your life, your circumstance, you push everything that isn't priority. Family, God, and, and mission, or whatever it might be for you. You push it all aside, and you really hone into what he wants to do. And I believe that God used all of it to help me to rise above the thoughts, to see beyond my circumstance, and be undeterred in what he was calling me to do. And so here, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you've been that way, you've been down that path. I tell you this, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Sometimes the Spirit's going to blow, sometimes the Spirit's going to speak. You're not going to understand where exactly he's coming from. But if we could align ourselves to believe that God has never let us down, He's never going to lead us astray. He's never going to put us on the wrong path. And then we can trust and believe that he's the right anchor. The Bible says he's firm. He's a firm anchor for our souls. And that we can trust in him. And so we can rise above those circumstances. And so today, we're here. We're gathered here today because of the words spoken. We're gathered here today because God fulfilling those words and and really bringing his procurement of heaven to make things work out. The fact that we're meeting in this place, the United Church, and first we only had six months, and we weren't sure if we were going to be going beyond six months, and then everyone got together and prayed because we believed this is where we were supposed to be, and we were given another six months. And so I'm just amazed. At this point, I'm just, God, you just keep doing your thing. You just keep, you know, procuring. And as I fix my thoughts on you, as I fix my gaze on you, you're going to work all things together for our good. Amen? Because at the end of the day, we've all experienced the enemy at the doorstep. We've all experienced him saying, hey, you know what? I know exactly the thing, the it, that's going to get you off your game. And so that's why I say to you days as we transition, what's that it? Because if you can identify that it in your life, the enemy sure enough can identify that it. But if you're able to acknowledge it and say, Lord Jesus, I need your help. Thank you for your grace. He's able to strengthen you, come around you with his armor. So the enemy can't use that in your life. Look all around you. There's pastors and even leaders that have been falling because there's that it in their life. 
So I encourage you today, whatever that it is, take that time because we're entering into a new year that God can work in your life. He can bring that calling. He can bring that place of destiny in your life. We don't want to be sidetracked or, or put off by that it in our life. So I hope, I hope that's encouraging uh, to you today. It's a little bit different when it comes to looking at that story with Jesus and Nicodemus, but I'm really encouraged and I'm going to invite Jess and the others to come up is when we embrace the spirit of God in our life, even if we don't understand where he's coming, where, where he's blowing, where he's leading, that we just say, I'm, I'm here at your, at your will, Lord Jesus, that he can use us. And so I want to encourage you today too, if, if you're here and you're struggling, even health wise, just to give just give yourself to Jesus and entrust your life into his hands because at the end of the day, the Bible says that our life is but a vapor. It really is. Our life is really a vapor and that he, from him comes life, breath, and everything else. If we can align ourselves in that way, just watch what he can do. He can work a miracle and sometimes the miracle isn't exactly what we're thinking. When I had the cancer, I thought, well, God was just going to remove it. And I believe that. I had faith he would just remove it. But he worked through the circumstances with the doctors, the medicine, because the conversations that I had from biopsy to um, radiation, surgery, the whole nine yards, God used and had these, I had these wonderful conversations with people to the point, and I'm going to share this, was... Before I had surgery, the surgeon said to me, he goes, Andrew, there's not many people that want to go under the knife. He's like, you, you really want to have surgery. I'm like, I want you to do whatever it takes. Like, I'm entrusting myself to you. He goes, not many people want to do that. And I said to him, I don't know, it just came out of my mouth. Well, I know where I'm going if you mess up. <laughs> do a good job. But I know, where, I know where I'm going. And I have to admit, before they put me to sleep on that surgery, uh, I had one of those moments, maybe because I'm getting older, but I had this moment where I just, and for a moment, I was tremendously fearful. But then before I went on, I had this immense peace because I knew the Bible says that whether I'm asleep or I'm awake, that we're with the Lord. And so I entrusted myself in, into his hands. And I believe because I did that, he has continued to show up. He's continued to bless and pave the way. And so I believe that God's going to continue to pave the way in your life. Identify that it and watch out as he moves by the power of his spirit. Listen for the, the moving, the speaking of the spirit. He's going to move. He's going to move. And so...